Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to EPL Insights. Wheels up on another week of Premier League action. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgothorpe with you. Of course, this podcast is powered by the information, the data provided by InfoGoal. Back for another week. Good to see you, Jake. These are busy times. Honestly, with the Champions League group stage wrapping up, the World Cup right in front of us. How are you keeping your head on straight? Um, I'm not really. Um <laughs> it's doing 360 swivels trying to keep up with all the matches that are being played. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 made it much more difficult to get a gauge and a handle on certain teams. So the the one team, uh, obviously that I think well I've particularly struggled to to get right so far this season has been Liverpool. I mean, you know how do they 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 lose to Leeds and look you know second best and then turn over one of the most informed teams in in Europe uh, quite comfortably. I don't know. Um, so what we're going to get from them this week, I have no idea. Um, and and that, that's kind of the problem is is that this, the games are coming thick and fast. There's a lot of tweaking, there's a lot of tinkering, um, and it's hard to keep on top of all that kind of thing. And um, yeah, we're just going off the numbers. Um, and yeah, it, 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 the, the, the congestion of the fixture schedule is making it a very difficult to, to get a real good handle on certain teams. That's what I was going to say, Jake. That's what we're here for. We're here to break down the numbers, provide at least your expert analysis with my, you know, charming banter. And then we have a podcast. That's kind of the way it works. Um, before we project ahead, we'll reflect back on last week. You said it leads go to Anfield, come away with a two, one victory over Liverpool, that Virgil van Dijk streak of not losing a home game at Anfield. Poof. It's gone. It's gone away. Uh, Leeds United closed at plus 1100 to go win that game outright. We should continue to pat ourselves on the back as we try to do that once in a while every week. We were both on Brighton to beat Chelsea and they did so we convincingly 4-1. Uh, Brighton played at uh, on, on the money line as well. The outright win at plus 191 as well. So well done on that. Uh, what about those games or anything else last week stood out to you? Um, no, the the Brighton game was um that was really that was a really sweet one. Not just because of the result, obviously, and the, and the fact that we were on a winner, but the reasoning was really sound, uh, and it came to fruition as well. So that that was one of the games that ticked all the boxes from um you know data perspective in terms of we said how how Chelsea struggled to create chances, how good Brighton are at home, um, and how good they've been without getting the results, and all that kind of thing just came in, into one big um you know crescendo for us and, and resulted in a nice winner. Liverpool one was just really strange. You thought when they got back on level terms, it did kick on um, and and win that game as the, as we saw them do against uh, Newcastle, but it just didn't, didn't really happen. Um, mm. And and yeah, again, it's, there's a lot of tinkering going on at the minute with Liverpool. They've got a lot of injuries. I mean, you know, you, you're missing Luis Diaz on left hand side. You're missing Diogo Jota, who can maybe provide some spark for you down down the middle. Um, yeah, so that that was a really strange one. Um, I said again, it's a result I'm not going to read too much into. Like it was a very even match based on the expected goals, but there were a lot of caveats either either way. Um, and yeah, from from a Liverpool's perspective, I'm not going to overreact, and from a Leeds perspective, I'm not going to overreact because I've seen the price of Leeds this weekend, and that is not you don't want to go near that with a barge pole, in my opinion. You mentioned Liverpool beating Napoli in the Champions League. It was funny. I was listening back to the podcast last week and. I was like, Wheeler, get it together when it comes to Jurgen Klopp. But they lost lost back-to-back games. Then the, the stories start being told in the press. Does Klopp step away? What happens? I was like, maybe I was on to something there. But we'll, we'll get into some of the numbers because every week we discuss top four finish and what the futures market looks like. Liverpool, joint second favorite at minus 115. There may be reason why... Liverpool side that looks far off, and at least in terms of their positioning in the table right now, why they still might be considered the second favorite. And it probably comes down to strength of schedule. Jake, do you want to explain a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. So um, 
Mark Taylor, who does a lot of writing for Pinnacle um, on the NFL side, he also does uh, crunches a lot of numbers for us on the Infocol side and, and contributes heavily to the Infocol model. He's produced a... So if you go onto the Infocol website, you can see the XG table. You can rank it by expected goal difference. Um, and what he's done is he's taken the expected goal difference and run it through a strength of schedule um, sort of calculation, which has produced um, an expected goal difference based on the strength of schedule that each team's played. So it's taken into account... The difficulty of the of the game, so whether they played any of the big six, whether they played them home or away, but also the performance in which they they put in from an XG standpoint. Um, and when when we look at that and we can compare the two, Liverpool are probably the biggest jumper um, of all. I say biggest; they've moved up a couple of spaces based on raw expected goals. Um, Liverpool ranked seventh best team in the league based on the strength of schedule adjusted expected goals. Um, they're actually fifth best, so they are trending in um, in a positive direction, potentially in a bit of a false position. Uh, and the gap between them and Arsenal, based on these ratings, is not as big as people might think, um, based on what is effectively a, um, you know, a domination kind of rating. So Arsenal are at 0.86, Liverpool are at 0.64. So on an average game-to-game basis so far this season, Liverpool have been around 0.6 expected goals better than their opponents. Arsenal at 0.86. So the gap is not that big. Um, and perhaps that suggests why Liverpool are maybe the second favourites. And I think also, you know, they, they if they can stay within touching distance, I know that they're, they're not miles out of it right now, are they? But if they can stay within touching distance, heading into that winter break, I mean, it's a long winter break, it's a World Cup break, get the players back fit after that and then kick on again. That might be another reason why, because there are another 20-odd games after Qatar, isn't there? So... Um, yeah, they're, they're definitely they're definitely ones to keep on on side at the moment, just purely because they've they've got um, you know that uncertainty around them as to what they're going to be in you know six weeks time, if you like. It's still incredible for the ninth place side right now to have the second shortest odds at minus one fifteen. That's level with Manchester United, whose odds continue to shrink. Newcastle plus two fifty. We've been keeping our eye on that. Two weeks ago, you could have had about plus 600. So, I mean, things are tightening up. Newcastle convincing. Spurs, less so. Chelsea in and about the top four spots as well. You can find all the best odds at Pinnacle.com. And we should remind you as well, don't forget about the live in-game bets. Spurs were down 2-0 at Bournemouth. Spurs! And you could have had them to win at plus 1375. And it did come off thanks to a late, late Benton core goal that gave him the three, two away victory. So don't forget about that either. Anything else we want to kick on with this week, Jake? I just, just wanted to, to touch on what you said there about the top four odds. Um, you know, Chelsea being still fairly short in, in, in the betting based on these um, strength of schedule adjusted ratings, Chelsea are actually the worst of the teams that you mentioned. Um, so you've got Brighton in third, You'd touch on Brighton to the top for the top four, did we? Uh, but their underlying process from a strength of schedule adjusted perspective is fantastic. Newcastle in fourth, so their you know their 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 position in the league table is no fluke at this moment in time based on the performances. Spurs in sixth, United in eighth, Chelsea in tenth. So of of the if you like top four candidates and contenders, Chelsea are the team that on these the on this model. Um, based on the expected goal difference per game and the strength of schedule, they're, they're the team that have actually put up the worst numbers. Um, so looking at this, and to be honest, I said it last week when we were talking about the Brighton-Chelsea game, of all the teams right now, I've got the least confidence in Chelsea finishing the top four because their underlying process is really, really bad under Graham Potter. And we'll touch on that more when we dissect their match this weekend uh, against Arsenal because there's some interesting stats there. Just to break down the discrepancy, the futures market, top four finish on Pinnacle.com. Arsenal minus 548. You have Liverpool minus 115. United minus 116. Spurs plus 110. Chelsea plus 140. Newcastle plus 250. Brighton, guess where they are? Plus 1,401. And right now, if Mark Taylor's model suggests, you know, if, if, if it's trending in the right direction, that's a big number right there on Brighton. So we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, as always, five feature games this week, five games to go rapid fire style style. And why don't we start with the games on Saturday? Second place, Manchester city hosting Fulham who are in seventh 
at the Etihad City, coming off a 1-0 victory over Leicester. A wonderful Kevin De Bruyne free kick strike uh, provided the match winner. No Erling Holland, 50-50 it sounds like in terms of his availability this weekend, whether it's his ankle or his foot, just simply not 100%. But why protect the player now? He's not going to the World Cup anyways. Interestingly, in the game, they lost the XG battle. According to InfoGoal, 0.81 for Leicester City, just 0.73 for City. Although Man City just incredibly dominant at home. Six wins from six games, 27 goals for and six against. They've actually gone under the goal totals in games that they played of two and a half in four out of their last five. Fulham coming off a very rare goalless draw for them uh, against Everton, they did have 24 shots in that game, however. Uh, Bobby DiCordova Reed, the Jamaica international, uh, he's out. He's suspended this weekend. Fulham haven't lost in four. They've gone over the two and a half goal total in their games in eight of nine. Both teams to score seven of nine. And it's worth pointing out they have the worst expected goals against in the Premier League at 26.6. Head-to-head, City won 12 games in a row and haven't lost incredibly in their last 18. Get this, Fulham has then had a clean sheet against Man City in their last 20. Uh, And they did play last season in the FA Cup, a 4-1 victory for Man City. As expected, uh, City, significant favorites in this one. Is there a market or a play that stands out to you in this game, Jake? Um, I, I've toyed with this a little bit. Um, I think I'm going to settle on, on City to win and both teams to score, which is priced at plus 149. Um, now, you mentioned it there, Fulham, the worst defensive team in the league, at 2.04 expected goals against per game. City, excellent at home. Uh, the process is fantastic. But they have conceded in 50% of the home matches this season. And Fulham actually rank as the ninth best attacking team in the league so far this season based on expected goals. So they are more than capable of creating good chances. Um, we've seen them score twice against Liverpool. Not that that says much against Liverpool's defence. Uh, but it's at least some form scoring against the better teams in the league. Um, and, you know, I, I think that Marco Silva's the kind of manager that will go to City. He'll probably be a bit more hesitant and wary than usual, but they'll still be trying to, you know, create chances and, and score a few goals because it is effectively a free hit, isn't it, for Fulham? Because, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You're going to get beat by Man City. Everyone gets beat by Man City. You know, you might as well at least go down swinging and, and try and get a goal. Or you could do what Nottingham Forest did, which was just turn up, don't even try and still get beat 6 0. Um, so yeah, I, I do quite like the chances of Fulham getting on the score sheet. Um, I think City's defense is still, it's still, it's good. It's not as good as it could be because they're still missing Kyle Walker. So you've got a fill in, um, you know, center half filling in at right back for the most part. Uh, Cancelo has been playing on left back. So, um, that for me is a slight problem. And I, I do think Fulham have got the, the attacking weapons to potentially hurt, hurt Manchester City. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have a small play on quite a big price there at plus 149. City win to, and both teams to score just because I can't see anything other than a City win. And, you know, the, the handicap looks a bit big for me. So I just thought I'd take a different angle. Uh, the, the handicap is significant in this one. That's why I'm going to follow the trend. And I continued on this trend. And it was a winner two weeks ago when City played at home against Brighton. It's a good old first half bet. And I'm going to go over the total of a goal and a half at minus 118. It's it's played and cashed every Manchester City home game this season thus far. So we'll continue on that number. If if you prefer the play City first half handicap of a full goal at, at minus one, uh, minus one sixteen is what it plays at. I, I'm fine with that too. But I'll stay with the goal total for a lot of the reasons that you documented, Jake. Um, it's my one and only. It's becoming a trend here on the podcast. Me making one first half play a week. And hey, going to just continue to follow this trend. If it's cashed every time, I'm, I'm just going to ride it. City at home are just so dominant. I give Marco Silva a lot of credit. It isn't just the players on Fulham. It's the style of play. And I look at, look at it very much the same way as I looked at City Brighton in their last home game, right? Like a team that's fearless is going to try to come out and play a little bit. But Fulham aren't as good as Brighton. So I think that could mean even more first half goals in this one. Yeah, hard to disagree with you. Um yeah, I think it could be a really high-scoring game. It's just it's a shame that Haaland isn't playing because um, I think we have seen an attacking drop-off when he hasn't been in the team. Um, 
you know, whether that be in the Champions League or in the league, obviously last week and against Leicester, they didn't carve out any big chances at all. It was a, a wonder strike from De Bruyne that sort of stole the points. Uh, way at Dortmund, um, I don't think he played. Maybe played the first half and got subbed off. Um, and again, they didn't create any big chances. And the same against Copenhagen, the Champions League game before, they really didn't create anything of note. So um, I wonder if that's maybe tactical tweaks made by Pep to accommodate Haaland um, and then struggling to readjust afterwards when he's not in the team. Um, but yeah, I, I've no concerns that, that City will score two or three against this Fulham back line because they're shipping a lot of good chances. Uh, let's move on to the second feature match of the weekend. Ninth pl- 19th place Wolves hosting 8th place Brighton uh, from the Molyneux. Wolves coming off a 1-1 draw at Brentford. Nevis, a goal. It seems like the Wolves goals are going to have to come from the midfield. Diego Costa was sent off at the end of that game. Brighton coming off that 4-1 win over Chelsea. Trissard is seventh goal. That's tied for fifth most in the Premier League. And they had an XG in that game against Chelsea of all sides. The former manager, Graham Potter, of 2.61. Uh, Wolves on the season, I mean, they continue to struggle. No wins in three. No clean sheets in three. They've been the first to concede five out of seven. Both wins, however, this season for Wolves did come at home. One against Nottingham Forest, one against Southampton. Uh, Nunez and Neto out continue to complicate things for an already depleted side. Uh, Just one point in their last four games away from home for Brighton. However, they do have the fifth best XG and the third best expected goals against um, in the Premier League. They have played Chelsea, City, Spurs and Liverpool all in their last six games as, as well. So they've played some real top sides. Uh, Joel Veltman looks to be out this weekend as well. How head to head away wins for both last season, a uh, Brighton three nil at the Molyneux uh, with Trossard and McAllister scoring. If you think that the same thing can play out again, this time around wolves at plus two fifty one. the same number, the exact same number as plus two fifty one for the draw and plus 121 for a very good Brighton side to win away. Are, are you looking at that number or perhaps somewhere else, Jake? Uh, I've got this down as a no bet. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to to swerve this. I think the, there's there's enough. Like Brighton have impressed, absolutely. They look a really, really good team. They're much better than Wolves. But at that price, I, I don't think I can get on board. Um, I think Wolves are a solid enough defence. And, and as you said, they're missing a couple of key players there, Nunes and Neto, um, two offensive-minded players that, that could potentially mean that they have to pivot, missing Costa as well, um, pivot and rely more on the defence to get them a result here. Um, so, you know, again, I was leaning towards the unders in the goal line, but the goal line's dropped from 2.5 to 2.25. So, yeah, I'm happy to just give this a watching read. Um, Wolves are they're an interesting team because they're... I test suggests that they are really bad and that they are serious relegation candidates, but the underlying numbers paint them as a mid-table team, um, suggesting that they've been a little bit unlucky so far this season. Now, obviously, they're, they're massively still struggling to create chances. That's factored in, um, uh, but that's balanced off by the fact that defensively, they are one of the better teams in the league when it comes to conceding uh, limiting chances. I think they actually rank as the seventh best defensive team on a per-game basis. So, um, yeah, I'm... I'm there's enough there for me to to just sort of, you know, hold my hands up and say, no, nah, I'll just watch this. No bet for me. I'm very tempted to make a Brighton bet here. Um, I will watch this number, even if it's with the handicap of minus 0.25, uh, where a draw, you lose half your bet. A win, you obviously win the full bet. That's coming in at minus 111. I like to see a little bit more juice behind it because – I do find myself, it's one of those games when the weekend's done, if I don't make a play here, I'll feel full foolish when Brighton do come to win because their expected league position on InfoGoal based on the, the numbers on InfoGoal.net, they're fourth. Like all the, I understand the underlying numbers when it comes to Wolves, but who's going to finish for this side? They're just so goal depleted, so goal starved. And Brighton, just the way I look at them right now, just plenty of match winners in the team. So I'm tempted. I haven't made a play yet, but I'm going to watch this number closely heading into the weekend. Yeah, I think that's the way to go in this game. Is you know, there's the uncertainty around the Wolves manager as well. What's been going on with with Lopetegui? 
is he going to be in charge? Is he not going to be in charge? When's he going to be in charge? If he's going to be in charge, so um, lots of confusion there. They weren't bad at Brentford either. Um, you know, we were both on Brentford to to get to beat Wolves last week, and and you know they weren't they weren't bad. They I think they the XG battle was fairly even. Um, you know, Brentford probably should have won the game, but you know, one one draw. It didn't rank too too low in the fairness rating um, based on the chances created. <sighs> You know, Brighton are a better team than Brentford, but uh, yeah, at the at the current price, uh, I, don't, I think it's, I just think it's a little bit too short for me, Brighton. Uh, if it yeah. was pushed out to maybe plus one forty, I would definitely be interested. Uh, but I think at the moment that that plus one two five or or wherever we are right now is is a little bit too short. Brentford on a bit of a wobble. Last home match, by the way, for Wolves, a four 0 loss to Leicester City. So will there be a, a response this time loss. around? The the XG didn't indicate it should have been that, but still a 4-0 loss at home nonetheless. Um, that is egg on your face written all over it. Does, does that mean there's a response um, from the side this weekend? A side that's typically been pretty good at home over recent years. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Let's skip to Sunday. It's going to be a super Sunday in the Premier League. Chelsea-Arsenal. Chelsea sixth. Arsenal leading the way, top of the table. Chelsea coming in off that... 4-1 embarrassment at Brighton. They gave up 19 shots in that game, by the way. They were down 3-0 at one time. On last week's podcast, I brought up the name Kai Havertz. He actually did score a goal. And he scored a really good goal in the Champions League as well. So perhaps he's finding you know, a new lease on life under Graham Potter. Uh, they play against Dinamo Zagreb Wednesday in the Champions League. Do Chelsea, unbelievably, uh, according to InfoGoal, Minus 1.1 in terms of expected goal differential this season. Like this Chelsea side just haven't been strong. Now Kepa's out after he discovered a run of form. He's out. Kovacic, Kulabai, both questionable for this weekend. They haven't lost at home. Uh, three wins, two draws. No clean sheets overall for Chelsea in their last three. And they've been first to score in six of eight. Arsenal, Ho-Hum. Another win, another day, 5-0 against, against Forrest. A 2.65 XG in that game as well. Reese Nelson getting in on the action. He came away with a brace as well. They've gone under the 2.5 goal total in games that they played in 5 of 6, although they've been first to score in 8 of 9 and a first-half winner in 6 of 8. Saka is a doubt in this game, although more encouraging news has come up in recent hours about his potential inclusion. They play FC Zurich away in the Europa League. Kind of a nothing burger game on Thursday. Uh, their last two away games, worth pointing out, lost 2-0 to PSV and drew 1-1 at Southampton. Head-to-head, they've gone over two and a half goals when these two teams have played in eight of nine. Uh, both away wins last season, including a 4-2 Arsenal victory last April at Stamford Bridge. Uh, what do you make here, Chelsea? On a plus number, plus 163. Arsenal, a little bit of an underdog here, coming in at plus 182 and the draw at plus 248. What side do you find yourself leaning to, Jake? Uh, definitely leaning towards Arsenal. Um, as I said, I keep banging the drum for the fact that I'm just not impressed with Chelsea whatsoever. Um, you know, they were really bad last week. Lost the XG battle convincingly. Um, and under Potter, in, in the Potter era, in the Premier League, um, they've averaged just 1.2 non-penalty expected goals for and 1.55 non-penalty expected goals against per game, which re- is effectively a bottom half process. Um, the difference of you know, minus 0.35 expected goal difference per game is just really bad and it's not top four worthy. Um, and then, you know, <clears throat> I did a little dig in, compare that to Thomas Tuchel. So it's a fairly even split of the sample. Six games apiece for both managers. Um, and it was still bad under Tuchel, but not as bad as what we're seeing right now. So they were averaging 1.4 non-penalty expected goals for per game. So their attack was a little better. Um, and 1.48 non-penalty expected goals against per game. So the defence was a little better, um, meaning a difference of, of around minus 0.08 per game. So the, as I said, the, 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 with Tuchel, without Tuchel, you know they're still looking like a really bad team. Um, a team that should, is more likely to finish tenth than the odds finishing the top four at this current moment in time. And, and you know, the, I guess the fortune um, or the you know yeah the fortune that Potter's had is that the results have been good. 
to start the the season off uh, or start his tenure off, getting off to that really hot start from winning um, Champions League matches, league matches. But <clears throat> it really was the Brentford game that that sort of that that was when I started to take notice a little bit more of what they were actually doing from an underlying numbers perspective. It was the you know Aston Villa away, Keppers kept them in the game. They managed to sneak a win. That was alarm bells ringing, and then to follow that up with another really bad performance away at Brentford and comfortably lose the XG battle, almost made it a little bit more of a uh, of a potential trend than just a one off. So uh, the fact that it's continued, the fact that even in the Champions League we've seen them struggle to create chances uh, at Salzburg, it was around one and a half expected goals, which is just really not very good against a team that on average concede around two expected goals per game in the Champions League. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really low on Chelsea right now. Um, I, I really am. I, massive fan of Potter. I think he'll get it right in time. But it's a huge like, shift in, in terms of tactics and culture from a very defensive first approach under Tuchel to being a very attack-minded, um, similar systems, but a very much more attack-minded um, and gung-ho style which I think is catching them out a little bit. Uh, you know, like last week, do you start Sterling and Pulisic's wingbacks? And it's, you know, you can't just say to Sterling and Pulisic, right, you're playing wingback this week. It, they're going to need two or three weeks of training in that position to know exactly what the, that he wants from them. Um, he doesn't have that time right now because they've got a game every three days. So uh, I think that's definitely holding them back. Uh, and you've got an Arsenal team who, you know, I'm still not sold on them away from home. Still got massive issues with them uh, at home, in my opinion. When they're a good price, they're a must back because they're fantastic at home. Away from home, they've been more solid than explosive. Um, one point four expected goals for one point one against is an okay process away from home. It's not a Manchester City level title winning uh, process, uh, and yet that ultimately the the struggles that Chelsea have in in attack and the way in which Arsenal have been playing away from home has just got me all over the under two and a half goal line. Um, minus 105. That's my main main play in this. Um, attacking weakness. Gunners' backline looks very, very solid. Um, it's even tighter when they play away from home against good teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I had that. The unders is my best bet. I also like the look of Arsenal and the handicap at plus naught, uh, at plus 104. I think that's a big number. Um, and I, I'm more than happy to take to take the Gunners on. Um as almost a second bet because I do think that they are at this moment in time, they are a little bit ahead of of where Chelsea are, and I think that the the Arsenal price should be a little bit shorter than what it is. Good numbers make great minds think alike. The draw new no bets Arsenal on the handicap at plus one hundred four. That's my best bet of the week because I just can't see Arsenal losing this game. A draw, there's some potential for it. I could I could buy that, especially if. Saka does not play in this game, but when you're getting a plus number on a draw, no bet when you're siding with the better team. And I don't think it's really close to be honest with you. That's a number that's too good to pass on <laughs> just in, in terms of the way I approach it. It's, it's, it's not just losing some of these players, new manager players, you know, square pegs, round holes. And Golo Conte has been so important to this team. They miss his presence desperately. He does so much. Same goes for Reese James. Just take him out of this side. They're just a completely different team. Arsenal, just their game model, their overall play, it's consistent week in, week out. Um, so, yeah, plus 104, John Obet for this game. My favorite play of the week. Yeah. Yeah. I can't agree with anything you've said there. Um, I do think that Ch that Chelsea um, a little bit short on the on the market, and you know Arsenal from a value perspective are the bet. Um, and yeah, they, they, you know I think the the only sort of question I have is that Arsenal playing a, a must win Europa League game at home on Thursday, but it's against Zurich. Yeah, they're dogs' breakfast. If you've seen them play, they're they're, they're no good. Like a they, second team can. Yeah, no. Zurich have won two of 19 across domestic and European yes. matches. So I don't expect it to be too much of an issue. I, I don't think Arsenal will need to rotate, as, uh, will need to play a full, fullish strength team. It might play a couple of the starters, um, but I think that we'll see rotation. And that, that only boosts my uh, my opinion of Arsenal. Getting a good, a positive result. But for me, I, my best bet of the week is probably going to be the unders in that game. I can see it being very low scoring, very tight, especially 
with Chelsea coming off the back of a thumping. I don't think he'll want that at home again. No. Uh, well done. Both of our best bets. They're out of the way within the segment. A nice work by Jake there. Uh, let's continue on Sunday. 16th place, Aston Villa. The first game with Unai Emery in charge. Take on Manchester United, who are up to fifth place in the table. And it's worth mentioning, only three points back of Spurs with a game in hand. Villa. Oh, man. 4-0 loss at Newcastle. The XG made it look just as bad. 4.27, just 0.31 in that game. Look at this trend. They, They beat Fulham. Or sorry, they beat Brentford 4-0 the game before. They lost 3-0 to Fulham before that and lost 2-0 to Chelsea in the game before that. Do you see a trend developing here? Are you saying that United are going to win 5-0 at the weekend? I, I might be suggesting just that. You have to wait for my play in this one. Their goalkeeper, probably the team's best player, Emiliano Martinez, came out last game with a concussion as well. Will we start experiencing or having that Unai Emery factor right away. Perhaps Villa have been a mess first to concede in four to five um, and have only scored 11 games. And overall, their XG, though, much higher at 17.1 on the season. Uh, three wins from six at home, however, and they do have a plus 3.3 XG in those home matches. So they'd be much better at Villa Park away from home. It's been an absolute nightmare. United coming off a hard-fought 1-0 over West Ham, an excellent first half, second half. David De Gea, who somehow is like the sixth-string goalkeeper in the Spanish national team setup. How does that happen? Um, He was outstanding. Rashford scored his 100th goal for Manchester United before his 25th birthday, by the way. Uh, United still had a superior XG in that game, 1.53 to 1.06. United have just conceded one goal in their last six, and that goal came on a Jorginho penalty. It wasn't even in open open play. United undefeated in their last eight overall and have gone less than the two and a half goal total in games they played in in five out of six. Bruno Fernandes is suspended for this game. A good thing for United, we'll see, because they do have a massive Europa League tie at Real Sociedad on Thursday, a game where Anthony and Anthony Martial, neither one of them traveled. Don't worry for you, Anthony fans out, le- out there, as Alanga did travel to Spain for that game. Uh, they're tied for fourth best in away points on the season. Head-to-head, United haven't lost a Villa in their last three, uh, and no Villa clean sheet over that span as well. Uh, they did draw at Villa Park last January. 2-2 was a final, but that was a very different United side at that time. Uh, Villa plus 261 for the win. Still getting a plus number if you're siding with United to win this one at plus 112, plus 266 on the draw. Is there a play to be made in this game, Jake? Yes, there is. Um, And it is one of my favourite plays of the weekend. It is the under 2.5 in the goal line. Uh, We're getting plus 102. I think that should be around minus one. Yeah, I'd make that around minus 110. Uh, I think it should be a lot shorter. It should be the favourite, really, of of the uh, on the goal line. Um, Yeah, you know, you've got Emery to factor into this. He's taken over a new team who just got smashed 4-0, shipped over four expected goals, and you can bet your bottom dollar that his number one priority this week has been to sort that defence out and to make sure they've got a good defensive shape. And he's very good at that. He really is very good at that. He He's a manager that does remarkably well with, I guess you could say, mid-table teams um, such as Villarreal and Sevilla, teams that aren't of the top tier in domestic leagues, but he gets them competing for, for European spots and obviously with, with the two Spanish teams getting them um, Europa League wins and barring the Champions League. And they're all based off uh, really solid foundations. And I think he's going to be, have tried to build that over the last um, week. With, you know, Aston Villa, uh, for me, that, that those players are going to be shot on confidence. And, and the easiest way to build confidence, the easiest thing to coach, in my opinion, is a solid defensive um, yeah, platform. It's really difficult to teach attacking patterns um, because you also need a lot of talent. But to, to organise a bit of structure at the back should be fairly straightforward for a coach of, of his ilk. Um, and yeah, I, like, I think they're going to be very defensive in the setup, and they're welcoming a Manchester United team who 
I've got them as good, but still leave me unimpressed because defensively they look legit. They've they've conceded just 0.99 expected goals against per game since getting hammered by Manchester City, but their attack is just it's just struggling. I am you know they they they're edging to wins in a very unconvincing fashion. They're averaging just 1.37 expected goals for per game, which is not very good. It's you know I reel off Chelsea's numbers earlier under Graham Potter. They're better than what Chelsea are putting up, but it's nowhere near them. At Manchester City, we're averaging around 2.47 and 0.73. So there's a lot of, of room for improvement. And they've developed a really unhealthy habit of shooting from long distance. Yes. I don't know who's I don't know who's telling them to take, pull the trigger as soon as they get within 30 yards, but they need to stop because over 50% of their attempts across the last five league matches have been from outside the box. Um, and the average XG per shot of all their attempts of the last five matches is 0.08, which effectively means in simple terms that every attempt that they take, every shot they take, has around an 8% chance of being scored. That is not very good. It's not sustainable. It's not going to produce good results over a long period of time. Um, and, you know, counteracting that, they've only created five big chances over those five matches as well. So chances with an XG of 0.35, so a 35% chance of being converted. Um, so, you know, you've got a defensive team in Manchester United that looks solid. They will be hard to beat. They're keeping clean sheets. But a team that they're just not generating enough high-quality chances to, to for me to trust them at the price. If if they'd say that XG figure was around 1.7 and they reduced the outside-the-box shooting percentage to 35%, I might be interested because then the numbers would look much more favourable. Um, but just given the way in which they're going, uh, I think that this is going to be a very dour game. They might eke out another 1-0, but I just thought the under 2.5 was a bit of a gift this weekend at the price. So, that number is very interesting about the XG and and chance creation when, when it comes to Manchester United because I actually think that that number skews low or is lower than it should be. And the reason why I say that because they create chances – it's the decision-making, where they're taking shots, taking that extra touch or hesitating. You see it every United match. They get themselves into wonderful positions. The fullbacks in Delo and Shaw are, are playing some of their best football right now. There's incisive passes from the likes of Erickson and Fernandez in the midfield, but the decision-making in the attacking third is just not good enough, not up the standard. So that's why the number is low. It's not that they're, you know, it's, it's not that they're not playing progressive football and not in the position to create chances. It's that final touch, that final decision that's holding them back. I, I'm actually a little bit curious. I agree with you. I'm all over that number as well, especially at plus 102. I'll take under two and a half as well. The associate that on game on Thursday with Anthony and Anthony Martial, neither one of them being available. That has me thinking under how they're going to go out and play on, on Sunday because this game is huge on Thursday. I also want to see what Bruno Fernandes coming out of the team looks like. It's been very interesting what Eric Ten Hag has been doing when he's taken different players out of the game or Bruno out of that spot to play him in the front three. He hasn't pushed a Christian Eriksen forward. You might think Christian Eriksen, like for like, oh, he'll just play the Bruno role. He's been playing back in almost like a double pivot, maybe just ahead of Casemiro, because he wants Eriksen collecting that ball from a deeper position and then creating from there. He doesn't want him higher up the field. So even when he came out on the weekend, Scott McTominay kind of played that Bruno Fernandez role. So who actually goes on and plays that position? It might be a player like Fred this weekend. And what does that mean for the transitional play? or that final third play for Manchester United, it might actually be a little bit better because Bruno's been is a little bit of an X factor. He sometimes tries to, to always make that home run pass and doesn't play the simple ball, which may lead to more chance creation. So the number might look a little bit different. That XG might actually go up a little bit more in this game, but I'm not sure if the finishing is there. That's why, despite my intuition and, kind of my read on how they might play this weekend. I still like under the goal total at plus 102. Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting that Fernandez isn't going to be there um, as to what they do. Does he maybe push Sancho inside to play in that role? Um, but I, I doubt it. I think it's more likely that he's Fred been, By the play. way, Sancho is ill as well, and he didn't make the trip 
to Spain, not which it, it indicates, you know, it, you know, illness can go different ways, but typically it's not an injury. So he would be available for that game on the weekend. Yeah, uh, there's the young lad as well. Uh, is it Gonacho that, that got some game time last week and impressed? He could maybe come into the fold as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think if, if Bruno isn't playing, then I, I agree with you. I think it, it could help reduce the number of shots from distance, which could help <laughs> that that one extra pass that might get you into you know the, the byline, square one back and create a big chance. That could be more possible or more likely. Um, but yeah, I, I, by the same token, I think Fernandez is one of the better finishers at United, isn't he? In terms of when a chance does fall to him and it's a decent chance, he generally takes it. So um, yeah, that uh, that only strengthens my opinion on the unders, really. Um, uh, one thing I will say about this United team is that they they seem to have found a, a, a real element of control in the play. Um, they, they are controlling matches now, whether be it through ball possession or through their structure, because they... Whenever I watch them, they never look in danger. No. And since the Manchester derby, they've never looked. I've never watched them and gone, "Oh, they could concede any second now." They look much more controlled, much more methodical, um, and just a generally more difficult team to beat. And I think that's kind of halfway house for what Ten Hag wants. I, don't, I think he, he he wants them to be hard to beat, but also be really expansive and create loads of chances. And at the moment, I don't think he's quite got the either A, the players, or B, he's not had the time to fully implement what he wants. So they've come to some sort of halfway agreement where, you know, they're doing just about enough in attack and being a little bit, you know, taking enough risks, but while looking really controlled and, and meaning that they're not losing matches. And I think that's going to be really important for finishing the top four because, you know, you've seen the likes of Chelsea who are all over the place at the minute. They don't know what's going on. Spurs don't really have the element of control. Whenever you watch them play, they generally concede possession and, and a pulled around by the opposition and are reliant on counter-attacks. Liverpool definitely haven't had any control this season, which is why they're struggling so much because the opponents are just breaking on them at will and, and you know, creating plenty of chances. So I think it's really important um, to sort of praise Ten Hag and United for, for sorting that out and really setting them up in, in a way to yeah, get, give, get the best possible results with what he's got available. Lissandro Martinez has been transformational. What a player. I, I love footballing opinions, even the ones I disagree. Graham Sunis must not watch him play. And by the way, a great nickname as well, the Butcher. I mean, that's a wonderful nickname for a yeah. five foot nine center back. So yeah. I think very good. I, I think you touched on it last last week or you hit the nail on the head. Um the, the key really is Casemiro. He's <laughs> he's changed life because Yes. You know, it doesn't matter who's playing behind him; they look better. Um, and and you know, we've said it at the start of the season; they've been crying out for a holding midfielder for two, three years, and it's why Longer Harry Maguire's <laughs> is why Harry Maguire's been getting so much stick for a couple of years is because he's been so exposed; he's not had anyone protecting him and looking after him. Um, whereas you know, last week he looked he looked great against West Ham because he got that extra protection. He got Martinez next to him, who played well, and it just meant Maguire could do what he what he does best, which is defend. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, he, he, I, I, just, I, I just laughed because for England, Maguire has two other center backs and two holding midfielders around him. So don't get I mean, me started. Jake, you, 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 <laughs> you could look great playing in that formation, but uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're both on the under for that game. So an, a, another um, more alignment on this week's podcast. Let's move on. I'm not sure if Chelsea Arsenal is the game of the weekend. I might put this one in that category because it's a prove it to me game. For two big clubs, third place Spurs taking on ninth place. Doesn't sound right, does it? Ninth place Liverpool. Spurs coming off that 3-2 come from mind victory uh, over Bournemouth away from home. You're two goals down. Benton core gets the goal. Uh, the XG was 2.5 for Spurs in that game. That was good. The performance against Marseille in the Champions League, not as good. Would you call it parking the bus, Jake? It wasn't far off. It's just a 0.75 XG in that game. As Conte watched on with pride, Hoybier, but with the game winner, also beyond the 90 minutes, 90 plus five. A concern for Spurs, Son went out with that head injury. Does not look good whatsoever. Romero, Kulusevsky, Richarlison, like three vitally important players for this side all remain out. They haven't lost in their last three, no clean sheets in five. Both teams to score in four of five and have conceded first in five of five. 
Liverpool, what happened against Leeds? A 2-1 loss at Anfield. As I mentioned earlier, the first loss at home with Van Dyke in the team. Uh, Somerville with the goal in the 89th minute. In fairness, Melier was great uh, in, in goal for Leeds in that game. And then they bounced back a 2-0 victory over Napoli. Crushed him in the XG 2.57 to just 0.39 in that game as well. Mo Salah, he's arisen. He's awoken. Scored in three straight games. They have the best XG, according to InfoGoal in the Premier League. Thing is, the 10th the best expected goals against. Haven't won away from home in their last five games. That's a big number. And the teams they played thus far in the Premier League this season, Forest, Arsenal, Everton, United, Fulham. A little bit of a mixed bag there. Milner was also forced off midweek against Napoli with a head injury as well. Head to head, Liverpool haven't lost in 10 to Spurs. And another big number. No clean sheet for Spurs in their last 15. Both teams to score in five of six. Last year, a 2-2 and a 1-1. Son scored in both games. Uh, look, it just depends the way you look at this one. If you like Spurs, there might be some value with a plus number. Same thing for Liverpool. Uh, what are you seeing? What's your assessment of this one, Jake? Uh, I don't like either, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to sit on the no-bet fence because uh, I just find these two teams really unpredictable at the moment. Um, you know, if, if as you're saying, if, if Spurs are without Son, as well as Richarlison and Kulosevsky, you know, Conte, his hands really are tied. And, you know, we, we saw when he just had Kane and Son, he played three central midfielders rather than opting to put a, you know, Brian Gill on, maybe a bit more attack-minded or pushing Perisic up alongside. So now he's only got Kane. He might just play four central midfielders, um, <laughs> just add an extra body in there. So that, that that you know, I, I originally had Spurs to win, but the injury issues, Liverpool's performance in midweek with that slightly tweaked system, um, which is effectively it was like a four four two diamond, wasn't it? That they were playing. Um, yeah, that that's just 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 line through that and just no bet. Just just enjoy the game. I think oh. I think there's going to be goals. I think we might see both teams <laughs> to score, but that price is just way too short on the BTTS. So um, yeah, I think if Liverpool, if it was Liverpool of uh, of last season and they were playing the way in which they were playing, this price would be hell of a lot shorter um but as it is no we don't trust them the market doesn't trust them punters i don't trust them um uh, they're just too unpredictable for me right now and um yeah I, i'm happy to just just watch it enjoyed the last game on sunday i get it i feel like i'm gonna have to plug my nose and make a play here i i really because beyond the numbers where I think we've established on this podcast, Liverpool are underachieving right now. You take those players out of that Spurs size, how am I not betting Liverpool on a plus number? It's Liverpool or nothing for me in, in this game. Come on, like Liverpool have dealt with their injuries, but still Nunez and Salah. Like they're, they're, there's enough in this Liverpool team where they controlled the game against a very good Napoli side. I get that it was at home, but if they played this game on the moon, I don't care if it's at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I, I, I'd be making a Liverpool play here if you're giving me these odds. I, I know it comes with risk. That's why I'll do so biting my nails. But how don't I make a play if Son can't play this weekend with Kulisevsky and with Richarlison all out. I'm sorry, the Spurs team for me, I've said it from the get-go this season. I'm not convinced. I, I'm not convinced. I don't think this side is good enough to be top four. I think you can see a steep drop, especially if these inju injuries. Like the World Cup window might be the best thing that can happen to this team. Move on to January, be able to reinforce. Daniel Levy's going to have to spend because what I think they're doing right now, I do not think it's sustainable. So Liverpool are nothing for me. Uh, I'll flip a coin and let you know how it works out, which side of it I end on making a play or simply just not betting this game. Best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it goes well for you. You're not convincing me. I'm going to steer well for you. This uh, all right. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Like Liverpool, for me, they've got to put a couple of good performances together back-to-back -to -back, um, for me to get interested in, in getting them on side because... At the moment, I just generally don't know what I'm going to get with them. Are we going to get the same team that shipped over two expected goals at Nottingham Forest? Or are we going to get the team that 
that completely shut out the best attacking team in Europe. You know, it's what we're going to get. Uh, yes, when was the last time Spurs were any good this season? It's been what six, seven games. Come on, like I never said. I never said Spurs were like really good. Like they're they're, they're functional. I, I I think that they're they're one of those teams that are generally better than the sum of the parts. Um, and yeah, I I agree with you. I think they need to strengthen a little bit. They're missing those attacking players are huge because that's generally all their game plan is is to get the ball to those three attacking players and let them cause havoc because the rest of the team step to defend. So yeah. Steering clear. I, I've got no interest in betting on this game whatsoever. And and you know, even if Liverpool did drift, I still wouldn't be of in- interested. Okay. You're not gonna convince Jake. He's not touching this one. <laughs> uh it's up to you. I, again, I'm 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 only half in the pool here. I'm only up to my waist. I'm not going any deeper. Uh let's go rapid fire for the final three games. Nottingham Forest dead last 20th, taking on 11th place Brentford Forest coming off a 5-0 loss to Arsenal. Just a 0.27 XG in that game. They scored two goals in their last six. Brentford a 1-1 against Wolves. Uh, no wins in their last six away, and Ivan Tony is suspended. I'm plugging my nose here. I am steering clear at all costs. Uh, I'm I'm going to take Forest on the handicap. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Forest plus there on the Asian handicap. We're getting plus one hundred six. They've been okay at home. Two wins, one draw, three defeats. Uh, they've won the XG battle in three of those matches. The process hasn't been too bad. One point five expected goals for one point seven against. And Brentford are a really poor traveling team. You know, we, we we said last week and probably a couple of weeks before that, just the fact that Brentford are a team that generally we only back when they're at home because away from home they are not very good. Uh, yet to win on the road this term, allowing a lot of good chances as well. One point seven six expected goals against per game, and no Ivan Tony is huge. That's a, that's a, a big loss. That is a, the equivalent of Harry Kane not playing for Spurs in my opinion. So um, I'm more than happy to to get Forest on side with with a draw no bet. There's very few teams in the world that I'll say I just won't bet my money on them. Nottingham Forest do fit that bill. I'm not sure if I bet your money on them. So go ahead. Uh, best of luck this weekend. Not going anywhere close. 15th place Leeds taking on 14th place Bournemouth from Ellen Road. Leeds coming off that 2-1 victory over Liverpool. Saving Jesse Marsh's job potentially. Their XG continues to be good though. It was 1.74 in that game. Uh, before that, they lost four in a row and were winless in eight. Uh, no clean sheet, by the way, in their last five. Bournemouth, they collapsed last week. Their goalkeeper, who's very good, Neto, is out with a thigh injury. Uh, no clean sheet in their last five. And their 9.9 XG is still the worst in the Premier League. Uh, does Leeds keep it up at minus 129? I, I like Leeds in this game, but I'm not sure if it's enough to make me bet on them to win. Yeah, same for me. Um, I think that they probably will win, but they're, they're not a value bet at that price. Minus 129, that's too short. Um, just so unpredictable. Yeah, they'll have a feel-good factor, but Bournemouth generally set up to be difficult to beat. Um, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they got maybe a draw. Um, so yeah, no bet for me, leaving it alone. I'm interested in this one. It's a late one on Saturday. 12th place Everton and 18th place Leicester City. Everton coming off a nil-nil draw at Fulham. Um, they have the third worst ex- expected goals against in the Premier League, but they're getting healthy. I think both these teams are getting healthy. And their last home game was a 3-0 win over Palace. Leicester City played decent against Man City, full credit. They, they won the XG battle in that game, and they had two wins and a draw in their three games before. Johnny Evans may be available to return this weekend, and they've been the first to score in six of their last eight games. I think actually both these teams are trending in the right direction. Uh, Everton plus 144 for a home win, plus 238 for the draw, plus 217 for an away win. Anything here? I I actually quite like both teams, but I'm not sure I like either one enough going up against one another. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I I, I get what you're saying, but I'm still very low on Leicester, um, in my personal opinion, and, and the data is still not stacking up very well for them. So I'm I'm going to take Everton to win um, at plus one forty four. Generally a strong team um, at home in Lampard. They've won seven of fifteen, um, lost five in that run. They've had some really tough home games as well. I think they played Chelsea twice, Liverpool twice, uh, played Man United twice as well in that in that fifteen game span. Um, and the process this season has been generally steady. Um, and as you said, they're getting fitter, they're getting healthier. 
Um, and I think they're starting to find a bit of a groove. Um, you know, the, the performance against Crystal Palace was excellent. Not just the numbers, the online numbers, they won the XG battle convincingly, but the actual eye test. They played some really good football um, and progressed the ball up the pitch really quickly, um, which I was impressed by. And that's something I think they can they can really hurt Leicester, um, who away from home generally shocking, allowed over two point two expected <laughs> goals against per game uh, while travelling this season. And you know, th- there's been a slight improvement defensively. Um, you know, the, as held Man City to under one expected goal, but the last away match was against Wolves, and they they, they allowed over two expected goals against Wolves, um, and, and that's not something Wolves do very often. So. I'm not ready to jump on the Leicester's defences fixed bandwagon. Uh, and the attacking numbers are still a massive concern for me. 1.01 1 expected goals for per game is what they've created this season overall, which is one of the lowest um, uh, numbers in the Premier League, meaning that they are one of the worst, statistically worst attacks in the league. So, yeah, there's a lot more I like about Everton than Leicester in this matchup. By the way, you know, I backed Everton in back-to-back weeks. They give me winners in back-to-back weeks. I have all the reason in the world to back Everton in this one. I'm just not quite there. Southampton hosts Newcastle. The Northerners come in south. Southampton won their loss at home to Palace, or sorry, at Crystal Palace. Uh, however, in the game, they did have more shots and more possession for whatever that is worth. Uh, worth. Uh, it was their first loss in four. All games have been within a goal. Stuart Armstrong, Bella Kochap are both close to being back in the team. Uh, back-to-back draws in their last two games at home. Newcastle smashed Villa 4-0. Almiron has seven goals, five and six. And Callum Wilson scored a brace. He's up to six goals on the season as well. And a 4.27 XG on the season. Will the bubble burst? Because no team is hotter right now than Newcastle United. Um, they have the fewest goals conceded as well. Uh, 10 and 13 games this season. They've been the first to score and first half winners in five of six. One thing, Joe Linton suspended for this game this weekend. What do you make of this one? Uh, I'm happy to arrive at Newcastle. I think they're uh, I think they're a backable price. You know, I, I think all the underlying numbers are pointing towards Newcastle being a top 14. And if if a top four team was travelling to Southampton, they'd be much shorter than what we're seeing. They'd probably be around minus 125, maybe even shorter. Um, so the fact we're getting minus 107 um, is, yeah, I- I'm happy to get on board with that. Not not impressed with Southampton. You mentioned Joe Linton's out, but St Maximan is, is pretty much close to full fitness and Joe Linton has been playing left wing. Um, so it should be a straight swap. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I, the way in which Newcastle are playing, it's just really hard to oppose them because they're creating chance after chance, uh, whoever they're playing against. And defensively, they're looking fairly solid as well. So, yeah, I, I think as the season progresses, um, you know, if Newcastle continue in the way in which they are, you'll start to see their prices get shorter and shorter. So at this moment in time, while we can get them at backable prices, like we did last week, last week we had a nice winner with Newcastle. Um, you know, the... the this is a very backable price against a team that we expect to be in a relegation battle. Totally understand that. But other top four teams, well, especially at the time, Chelsea, Arsenal have gone to St. Mary's. Arsenal came away with a point. Chelsea lost. There's, It's lifeless inside that stadium, but it kind of works for this team for whatever reason. So I'm not quite sure. I, I think that this one could end in a draw. It's another no play for me here. Uh, West Ham 13th place taking on 10th place Crystal Palace this weekend. West Ham is still being good, just coming off a 1-0 loss at Old Trafford. Uh, six straight home wins in all competitions and seven unbeaten overall. Although Fabianski, the goalkeeper, is a question. Paqueta is getting close and may be available. Palace, a 1-0 win over Southampton. Edouard scored the winner. He is a knock in his 50-50 this weekend. No wins in their last five away from home. West Ham win at minus 105. It's a tempting play for me. Is it tempting for you? Um, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I've been impressed with West Ham. Um, but I do quite like the look of both teams to score uh, as a bet in this one. Minus 105, so it's a, it's a very backable price. Um, Hammers games have seen chances at both ends generally when playing at home. 1.6 expected goals for 1.3 against. Um, and this is arguably the most talented attacking team they'll have faced since August at home. Um, in that time, they played Wolves, Fulham and Bournemouth. So um, it's a, effectively their biggest home test since, uh, I think it was 
Tottenham that was the last one that went there. Um, Palace away from home, been shocking. Drawn three, lost two, really lucky to have that record. Um, process has been poor. But I do think that they've got the the quality in attack to create chances um, against West Ham. And, and I think that the way in which they're playing under Vieira this season, he seems to be very settled on his team and it's a very attack-minded team. Um, you know, even when you just look at the lineup, you've got Elise and Eze in there, uh, Zahar, Ayu, Eduard. Like that, that's an attacking front five with Decore basically just, <laughs> just holding everything together as what they hope. Um, and I, I think that they'll be able to cause West Ham a few problems. Um, so yeah, I, I like both teams to score in that one. I think that's a good price. Uh, more fuel to that fire. The last 10 times that they played, both teams to score is cashed 10 out of 10 times. So um, West Ham win. I'm fine with that. Both teams to score. Every reason to back that at minus 105 as well. Our best bets are done. Uh, A reminder that Premier League predictions articles plus our Whole host of World Cup betting previews and team previews for every nation competing in the tournament are available on Pinnacle.com next week. Also, the return dun, 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 of the Champions League betting blueprint as we take a look beyond the group stage of the Champions League. At Pinnacles, where you follow along on Twitter, at Pinnacle Sports on YouTube, myself, at Gareth Wheeler, at Jake Oz, two Zeds on Twitter as well. Odds are correct at the time of recording. And as always, please gamble responsibly. Best of luck this week, Jake. Not James, Jake. Best of luck, as always. Uh, top work by you and your team. Nice one. Likewise, um, I really hope Man United beat, beat Villa 5-0 for you to keep that trend going. I know you'll have backed it. If it's a 4-0, I, I'm a happy man as well. So anything to <laughs> nil, a 1-0, I'd take that as well. Uh, good stuff, Jake. We'll do this again next week. Uh, thanks to you, the listeners, for tuning in. This has been EPL Insights with Data, provided by InfoWorld.